tune in to Redeeming the Time Brothers podcast. We have today a fun Friday where two old coots are, and unicorns is the name of the episode, and we're going to talk about uh, differences between boys and girls, uh, the destructive things that men sometimes do, and uh, a lot of other fun stuff. Hope you'll tune in and, and join us. God bless you. Is this Storm and Norman? It sure is. And, and sure are you is. ready? Are you ready for a little bit of fun Fridays with a couple of old coots? <laughs> I sure am. You know, I uh, I uh, went to the, the we we did this thing where you know I'm not a big Halloween fan. Right, um, right. You know, I hate to give I hate to give a lot of credit to Satan, especially since there's a lot of evil stuff going sure. on in the world. You know, sure. but I'm not. You know, some people are really into it. I'm not. I'm not judging anybody. You yeah. know, and some people. But anyway, uh, we go to a trunk treat for my youngest daughter and you know we'll go around there and i told uh i i saw a friend of mine that we had went through um actually counseling school together and he was handing out some candy and i walked up to him and and uh, i said i was dressed up as a grumpy old guy <laughs> yeah that's me that's me my <laughs> yeah, everyday so, costume yeah <laughs> my everyday costume i'm a grumpy old guy he laughed he said uh he said everybody liked his his uniform or his outfit even though he was just you know dressed as you know normal guy you know they said like you know, all the effort he put into it you know to uh, to be there. So. I just barely missed being a, a unicorn for Halloween last a couple of weeks ago. On October 29th, I had a cyst removed from the top of my head. No worries. Everything was good. But when I, I had to shave all my hair off so that they could do the surgery. So I go to work on a Friday. This is on a Friday. Or, uh, yeah, Friday. I go to work. And there, and and I, man, I've got this. It looks like a horn sticking out of the top of my head. You know, it's it's like almost an inch and a half, two inches tall. And and the thing is, like for a preacher, what you don't want is to look like you're growing horns because it looks like you're working, <laughs> looks like you're working for the other team. You know, and so I was a little worried yeah. about that, but I was really glad they got it all cut out. And now today, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna have it uh, have the staples taken out. So hopefully it will remove my, you know, any evidence that I ever worked for the other team, you know. Mercy. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, self-esteem by others is important, you know, in life. you got to kind of, you know, yeah. manage all that stuff too, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and I was thinking about trying to wear a hat, but the kids in school aren't allowed to wear hats, and so I really didn't want to, like, be in violation of – you know, I hate to do something that somebody else can't do. It just sets up a – a bad deal. <laughs> so right. so I just went to work and I thought, well, if I got to suffer being bald, they're just going to have to suffer looking at my lunar landscape cranium. And I mean, you know, some people have pretty heads, man. Michael Jordan, he's got a beautiful bald head, man. Mine, I've got pits in it, pock marks, uh, scar tissue. I got all kinds of stuff up there. It looks like I, when I'm bald, I look like a prison convict. You know, the, you know, one of the the bad guy in the prison movie that's got the bald head and all the scars all over. It comes up, and it makes it worse because I've got a lazy eye that goes off to one side. I mean, I look, dude. I mean, I look like the Halloween costume. I should have put on like a a convict suit or something, and I could have went around with stitches in my head and oh man you're like like uh like some sort of you know halloween movie in the school oh uh, man yeah yeah, yeah this would have scrambled out of my way you know <laughs> but add a little bit of blood or something i'd have been golden just crazy 
<laughs> and and it's funny to watch the kids that actually notice, you know, because there's some kids that don't notice anything except what's exactly right in front of them at that moment in time. But you can tell the observant kids because they would do like a double, triple take. You know, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, like the first one was you don't have any hair. The second one was you're completely bald. The third one was you got staples sticking out of your head. You know, what's going on? And, and so you could tell the level of, of attentiveness that they had by how many looks they took. <laughs> and now, now knowing kids now, especially kind of working with them, school setting my own, uh, you know, working for a ranch of boys, working around a skate park, I, I have to say that, you know, now this next scenario is just so real. So the school is getting these random phone calls and from parents, and, the, and, and so I can just hear the secretary talking to the principal or superintendent going, so – I keep getting these bizarre phone calls about some some kind of killer like guy walking around <laughs> a yeah, strange exactly. guy walking around yeah. in the junior high school. Yeah. Does anybody here know what's going yeah. on with that? Yeah. Strange. What's uh, where are we getting yeah. these strange? <laughs> and, and why do you let him wear the costume a week after Halloween? I mean, you know, they get it if maybe you let him wear it on Halloween, but you're gonna wear it a week after Halloween. Make the guy dress up. You know, make him clean up a little bit. You know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. They, they say, Mom, there was some sort of really creepy looking guy walking <laughs> with stables in his. <laughs> and kids will say the wackiest things. They'll say whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't have any filter between their brain and their mouth. So if they think it, they'll say it. It's like when Leo was little, our uncle. He said uh, he said that he one time he was in like a one of the stores around there. And there was a bald guy in there putting bread on a on a shelf, and he went up and patted him on the head and said, "How you doing, Baldy?" You know, <laughs> you know. And so I, no, I didn't have anybody pat me on the head and say, "How you doing, Baldy?" I, but I did get several comments that uh, definitely they weren't keen on my bald head. You know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing's about kids is you know they're kind of brutally honest. If they oh. like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. If yeah. they, you know, yeah, there's no filter. So if they. Uh, You'll you'll whatever you get from kids, you'll generally get the truth, or at least the truth of what they as they see it. So, and, and once I cut my hair off, there was a there was a discernible drop in TikTok views that I had. I'm on I'm on I've got us I've got us on TikTok, and not necessarily because I approve of any particular social media. I really hate all social media, but I got to reach for the kids are, and they're kind of on TikTok. So I was getting like 200, 300, uh, you know, views a day, and then it dropped down to like 40 once I cut my hair, and I'm like, well, okay, guys, just you know, look, it's temporary. I, I didn't like have it, you know, I didn't have it surgically removed. It's going to come back. I'm the same guy, you know, and and I, and I think people were scrolling through, and they were used to seeing my my mug a certain way, and they didn't recognize me because now I look yeah, like yeah. a convict, and so they're they're scrolling by. And so I got to grow my hair back. To, I'm like Samson. I only have superpowers if I have hair, apparently. You know, different people have asked me if I would get, uh, you know, if I would dye my hair. You know, that kind of discussion has come up from time to time as I got older. Sure. And I'm more happy to go with the whole having hair over dying. If I yeah. could choose, you know, I, I I'm just grateful to have some. Yeah, as long so, as I know, got it, it could yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah, I could. It could be because again, I mean, you know, some there there's a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of guys out there, like you said, that can that can really do the whole bald thing. Not but not me either. I'm not yeah. one of them. I got bumps, and you know, it's oh, um, it's horrible. It's horrific. You know, I gotta. You know, it, it, it's it's a it's a God was kind to humanity to you know let me go gray instead of bald. 
God, you oh, know, that's amen. just the Hallelujah, kindness brother. to, <laughs> to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, people's emotional health is good. And, yeah, you know, yeah. They don't have to go get uh, therapy. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I'm they don't have to sell my, their my, house and move out of the neighborhood because they got to look at me when I walk outside. <laughs> you know, I, it's, uh, and it's causing trauma in their life. You know, I agree. I, for me, either. <laughs> and my kids, my kids have the audacity to come up sometimes to go, Dad, how come you don't dye your hair? You know, like dye it black or something, because it's it's almost totally gray. I'm 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 pretty close to not being salt and pepper anymore. I'm just salt, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, how come you don't dye your hair? I'm like, you gave me every one of these gray hairs, man. How do you even have the audacity to talk to me about about me changing the color of my hair? How about you've been a good kid? And then I don't have these gray hairs, you know, because they'll do yeah. the dumbest stuff, man. You'll be walking in. You ever, you ever had your kids when they kind of uh, at the top end of the toddler stage and they start jumping off of stuff when you're not expecting it and, and yelling yep. catch? Man, I, I had a kid. <laughs> one of my kids, I was out there getting a couple of them off of a bus, and and, and the little dude threw himself at me from the top the top step on the bus, oh, wow. and I barely turned around in time to catch him, and I'm like – don't do that again, man. It's like, catch, you know, oh, oh, and I'm dying. I'm like, you know, I'm picturing the kids splattered all over the sidewalk, and, and my wife, you killed my kid, really? You know, um, no, that was pretty much she did himself in. I, I just didn't catch him. You know? That was that was an unintentional suicide, honey. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, it's unintentional. Diet. It was tragic. You know, I, I'm going to miss the little dude, but uh, he bailed out of the top step of the bus without telling me what he was doing. You know, and had he had he given me any kind of warning, you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna fling myself out into space hoping you'll catch me, then I could have braced myself for it and it wouldn't wouldn't have caused adrenaline to shoot through every pore of my body. But instead I'm freaking out, man. I'm going I'm all of it, but fortunately, I did catch him, you know. But after that, I, I realized that they've got some sort of bizarre death wish, so I was on the guard for it, you know. I'm like, okay, when is it going to happen again? And and that's how parents get PTSD is because these little boogers that you're trying to raise, once they can walk, they start trying to destroy themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, I you know, I've, I've, I, I may have said this. I don't know if we've ever talked about it in, uh, you know, in our discussions and our ministry. But you know, I, I have this theory, having worked mostly with boys, right? You know, uh, and and uh, you know, around the skate park. And my theory is, is that you know, before the age of eighteen. You know, there's some very mature boys kind of before the age of 18. They're here and there. But rare. But for the most part, I have to say that, you know, uh, that the uh, – I my theory is that the larger the committee of boys that get together, oh. the dumber the idea becomes. Oh, hallelujah, yeah. Now, 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 girls will get together, and they may kind of bicker with each other over what they're going to do, and they may have kind of a pecking order, and they may have their whatever, you know, drama or whatever when they're kind of deciding something. If they get together in a committee, I will say that for the most part, the end result of whatever they come up with is going to help humanity save a whale. <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll do something good, even after they kind of fought over it and had whatever. Oh, no, boys get together, and the larger the crowd of boys, the dumber the committee comes up with you know they're you know they're riding bikes off the top of um, a building to see if they can land on their wheels uh, I, I mean literally yeah. that level it's yeah. it's like you formed a committee and came up with that idea that was a <laughs> that was a 
that was a thought out plan by several of you. It was, you know, and I can't say much, you know, I can't throw stones because when we were younger, we did that kind of stuff, you know, we, boards up, know you know, you riding remember. bikes over, we, we, you know. I, <laughs> we lived on the southern coast where there's all kinds of evergreen trees. And I don't know if you remember, but on the 15 acres on Cape Blanco, just outside of Port Orford, we used to climb the top of those evergreen trees and we'd jump yep. out the cedars and jump out as far as we could and then sort of slide down the tree and you'd yep. see how far you could jump out and why it was so stupid is if you jump out too far you're just going to die. You know Yeah, and, yeah, a couple of inches <laughs> further. Yeah. You're right. That is like the dumbest oh. you're right. I even our committees weren't that bright, I guess. Oh, I, I agree. I mean I know we did some you know, boys just don't have it. I no. you know, I, I understand that uh, you know, the brain, the male brain doesn't develop until way later after the uh, the female brain and yeah. I believe it. Uh it's uh the the stuff I just sometimes uh, I shake my head in pity or I just laugh, you know, what well, some of the boys come up with. I I'm go, not well, sure. You planned it? I <laughs> I'm not sure that that mine ever actually developed because let me tell you this, this story. It's about it's it's called the mouse condominium. It's a true story. I mean, I, I'm telling you, Norman, this is this is how this played out. I, I had we had all of a sudden developed a mouse problem in, in our house. Okay, all of a sudden they were just everywhere, and we're not figuring out why. We put out bait, we put out traps, this little thing, and they're still coming. And so I, I realized we've got to find this out. Now we got an unfinished basement downstairs, and so. I, we've got a lot of storage stuff down, so I go down and I start looking and looking and looking. Well, there's this refrigerator box that's been cut in half, and we had piled afghans and quilts and blankets in it. Well, this thing had become a mouse condominium, Norman. I literally see the mice jumping and climbing around in this, and I realize I've got to get this out of my house, right? <coughs> so I pick this box up. I, first, I shake. <coughs> I shake the blankets and drop the mice kind of down in, into the lower parts of the box so that I can kind of get all the mice down in the bottom of the box so they can't jump out. And so I'm doing this, and it's taken me a while. It probably takes 20 minutes to get all the mice down in the bottom of the box. And then, and then I start carrying the box upstairs, and it's leaning forward, and my girls are coming down to kind of see what's going on, and they see this box full of mice. They run screaming into the yard, yelling and screaming like I'm killing <laughs> like like somebody's killing them and I just know the cops are going to get called, you know, and and cuz these my, mice are freaking them out. Well, they're kind of freaking me out, you know, but I I get the box out there and and I go, well, "Hey, um maybe I should throw the cat in." And my wife's like, "No, do not throw the cat in. This could hurt the cat." I mean, there're enough mice in there. She's convinced the cat might be in danger if we throw the cat in. And so, so what do I do, Norman? I, I, I jump in the box and start stomping on mice. Now, i got to tell you, it didn't occur to me that the mice might run up my pants leg until I'm in the box, right? So I'm in the box dancing, trying to stomp mice to kill them because I don't want to just dump the box out and have the mice run back into the house. I want the mice dead. So I am doing the fastest river dance you have ever seen in your life, trying to kill all these mice. And and you should you, you should, my girls are screaming. I'm screaming. I'm I I am certain mice are running up my pant legs into my into my skibbies. 
and I am freaked out because, but I'm committed. I'm in there. I can't, I can't tip it over. I can't stop. I can't change. I realize it's a bad idea after I'm in the box. And so, fortunately, Gene won, and the mouse mice didn't. But I got to tell you, that was one of the scariest days of my life. And I've jumped, I've jumped out of an airplane before, and that was one of the scariest days of my life. Well, that almost reminds me of the, you know, as a, as a, as a parent, you, you know, you watch a lot of kids' movies, whether you want to or not, you know, yeah. so it reminds me of Ratatouille, I think one about the, I think it's a Disney movie about the, about the rat who likes to cook, you know, and they're right. all running out of the house and busting through the window and, you know, yeah. leaving the, uh, leaving the uh, country, I think, uh, farmer's wife's home or something, I can't remember, but yes, <laughs> jumping through the window. Exactly <laughs> yeah, like that. I had a version of Ratatouille, except I think she had a shotgun when she was trying to, you know, shoot them all, you know. Which, <laughs> I had a friend I had a friend who was so scared of, of spiders, he would shoot spiders in his house. He had a he had a twenty two. I'm not kidding you, man. He had he had so many holes in his walls, he would shoot a spider. He he wouldn't come near it. They freaked him out. And <laughs> I think uh, I think even at 22, you could probably I think you can get at that low. I know with a little bit larger rounds, you can get ones that have the pellets Snake in it. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, yeah. Right. And uh, I I think at that small round, and that, well, that would be you know kind of I guess you'd still have holes in your wall, but it wouldn't be kind, kind of like big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little, little bit smaller holes, you yeah. know. So obviously he doesn't. Obviously either he has a very understanding spouse or he's a bachelor. Yeah, he was. A, he was a bachelor. <laughs> yeah. That you you take that exactly. Because men left to themselves will come up with all manner of bad ideas. You know. And, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I should revise my you know psychological theory in my you know my feature book and kind of put in there that men never outgrow that you know and i have to say you know if you you know uh, in modern culture if you kind of probably throw a beer in a few guys hands even if they're yeah. in their 40s and they start drinking and talking they'll probably oh, come buddy. up with one of those as they, they hold yeah hold my beer kind of moments well, you know, have you, seen, and, you have know. ever seen any of those um the reasons <laughs> men li- uh, women live longer than men posts on facebook yeah oh buddy yeah. yeah you never see those about women like you never see women you know like one is this guy is got a is on a ledge and he's got a ladder leaned over kind of a stairwell and he's up on it trying to change a light bulb or paint or something i don't know what he's doing but i mean it looks like the most dangerous thing you have ever seen and you never see a woman doing something like that man no no no, no. and in fact a lot of times i notice that you know if you, if they do have one where women are kind of doing something it's generally an accident you know what i'm saying right, yeah. so they'll get hurt you know on the but you're right i agree that most of the time it's something the man planned you know yeah, so yeah this was this was the product the of his best time or thinking. And fell or yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got to where you are right now by your best thinking brought you here, you know. And, and for the yeah. woman, it was just an accident, something, you know, a goat butted her, you know, that she didn't know, was had no idea was there, and it butted her. But the guy the guy would be trying to ride the goat, you know, that would be yeah, the yeah, thing right, with him. Yeah. He, would, he would get into a fenced-off area where there is a herd of goats that, that are, that are human-killing goats, and he would be trying to saddle it is what would happen. And then, then he'd get abused and beat up. But it was because he got in there, you know, so –
I, I don't know if the story's true, but you know, my Marine son, he's uh, he's got out of the Marines, but he loves history and he just loves war history. So he's telling me about, uh, I think it was the Russians in World War II that one time they thought they were going to be uh, one unit over in the Eastern Front, thought that they were going to be ran over by the Germans. So they found, they got drunk, they found a bear, they got the bear drunk. <laughs> Uh, and both the drunk bear and one of the guys the next day, because they were going to go into battle thinking they were going to lose, and they like rode this drunk bear into battle. Uh, and he said, "True story, not made up. Uh, you know, you couldn't think this stuff up. You know." So I said, "Well, there you go. I mean, you know, guys, you know, older men with older men with alcohol, or younger guys in a committee. So I'll, I'll, I'll expand yeah. out my, you know, my theory a little bit. You know, the, yeah, the whole yeah. committee theory. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, if you want." to think fairly clearly just kind of leave the vodka out yeah, i don't yeah. you know maybe maybe then adult men will come up with something that's uh, you know fairly close to maybe and that's, even that's a maybe yeah i uh yeah, the the boys, they just, uh, yeah, men. Uh, I, I suspect in heaven that there's some sort of a, of a kind of, um, you know, kind of like they used to do for uh, drafting people, and they spin something or whatever <laughs> for the angels that have to watch the, the you know, uh, Bible says that kids have angels, you know, in heaven, yes. kind of uh, reporting back to God about what's happening. So, you know, the boy one, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, the angel spins and he gets a boy and he's like, oh, you know. Uh, this, come on, you know come how long on, is this rigged. duty going to be? Do two we out of three. Every week or, yeah, two out of three. Two out of three. <laughs> Five out of seven. Come on, man. Come on. You know, I could have I could have had the girl who's sitting in her in her room painting her fingernails and talking to her girlfriends, you know, and oh. looking on, you know, at the <laughs> and talking about the uh, next boy band. And here I am and, trying to catch this kid from jumping off a building. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not rambunctious girls because there are, but I, I got to oh, tell yeah. you, I had we had. <laughs> Girls first, so we had we had adopted Hannah, we adopted Charity, and then and then uh, Celeste was born, you know, biologically, and so we'd had three girls, and then we did, then we started doing foster care and adoption, and we got boys. Dude, our house exploded when we got boys in. I mean, I, you know, the girls, you could the girls could go into another room, and it would be quiet, and you wouldn't of necessity worry. You know, because uh, they yeah. they'd read or or they could play. They kind of would play kind of a relational game, whereas a mommy, daddy, and kids, and they'd have their dolls and stuff, and it'd be pretty quiet typically. Boy, you brought brought those boys in, and I mean, you <laughs> if 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 there was some quiet in the other room and those boys were there, there was something bad going on. I mean, cause yeah. they were they were noisy from the time they got up until they went to bed. They were making massive amounts of noise and destruction and breaking stuff. They they could break stuff that I didn't think you could break. I mean, I yeah. you know they would you'd give them a toy that you were pretty sure was indestructible, and within a couple of days they would be in pieces. And you're like, how did you do that? Uh, you know. Uh, and uh, that must be part of the nature of boys, too, of course, to take things apart or whatever, because I do counseling with young men, and so some, and some of them are around right now, around the 10, 11, 12-year-old range. And in that range especially, I had a couple of – I have a couple of uh, VW vans, you know, when I – when I become right. independently wealthy, I'll put together a really nice VW van again. That's kind of my dream. Right. Midlife crisis kind of car, you know. So I got a couple of toy ones in my office, and literally, 
it's you're right it's bizarre they're actually they actually will sit there as we're doing counseling and they'll try to take those vans apart oh yeah 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 uh and i got some people that i use as kind of part of therapy so i'll have some i have some people in there and of course they won't uh they'll kind of play with them or you know fold them up you know or whatever uh but uh but yeah with those vans i suspect that if you had a puzzle i, I may eventually buy one for my office but if you had some sort of puzzle wall well, they had to figure out how to take it apart. They'd probably sit very still while you was talking to them, and and uh, you know, well, their conscious mind is kind of um, uh, right. Uh, you know, is busy. Their subconscious mind would be you could you could talk, you know, which is kind of part of play therapy and having some you know kids, you know, having some toys and stuff around for. Absolutely. For kids, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah, they yeah, they must be in the nature of boys to do that. I mean, they're they don't try to just drive it. Even most of the time, they're not like kind of trying to drive it around the desk or something. They're trying to pull it apart. <laughs> I've had how does it come off here? And it yeah. works with guys too, uh, adult guys. Think about this: some of the some of the deepest conversations I've had with guys have been when a hood is open and they're working on their car, and I'm talking yep. to them while they're working on their car. They will open up about some of the deep stuff in their life, the hard stuff in their life, or when you're hunting and you're kind of walking together and you're looking for deer. But but if you just sit – if I were to go into a home or even bring a, a guy into my office and we were to sit and look at each other, he's not going to tell me anything about his life. He's not. He will not open up. But if I'm – but if I – he was changing out his starter – and I and I'm sitting there handing him uh, handing him the nine sixteenths or or whatever the the metric one is that everybody loses the number twelve or whatever. If I'm handing him that stuff, we can talk about deep things. You know, it's crazy. But but if you're just looking at them, they won't talk. Well, I think there's a reason for that, and it applies to both men and women. So, uh, as part of my um, uh, licensure and uh, when I was getting licensed, I had a supervisor that had had me read a book um, called The Body Keeps the Score. Uh, and uh, if you, I mean, you know, if, uh, if you're talking about, well, first of all, pastors or church workers should actually read that book um, right. because it deals with trauma. And uh, <clears throat> the book kind of makes the point that, um, I mean, it, it's a, okay, this is one of those books where if anybody, you know, anybody that, um, is uh, you know is into the the faith and attempting to serve the Lord on whatever level, right. you know. Be sure to uh, you know you got to devote lots of time. Like you know you're going to read five pages and it's one of those books that's really cerebral and you got to you know it's written in kind of a conversational form, but the subject is so deep that um, you got to kind of stop and think after you read about you know a certain section or a certain chapter and you got to think about it and go wow okay I see where that's true and and uh and basically uh but but an excellent book and but it makes the point in there that when it comes to um trauma that is part of healing of trauma the belief is and i'm really going to kind of slaughter this but but in trauma what happens is different sections of the brain kind of stop talking to each other right so uh so for example one of the reasons that you know vietnam vets live as if they uh 
the the event was still happening and sometimes when people under severe trauma they live as, as if it's happened yesterday right is because the time clock in the brain shuts off after trauma so you know if you have a really embarrassing moment in life you know the first day after you do something super embarrassing you're kind of like going oh i can't believe i did that you know right. and then a week later you're going uh but it's less intense and then a couple of years later you kind of go you kind of laugh at yourself and go yeah that was pretty stupid but you don't have that same feeling about it you know right. because the memory fades uh because the, of the time clock well uh for trauma victims they don't have that time clock so things so veterans from Vietnam could be 50 years later still reliving uh, in, in, in the same way without their brain healing, still living as if it happened just yesterday. Right. And then the other problem is that the brain, uh, the left and right side of the brain basically – and again, I'm really slaughtering this, but for us laymen, we'll make it kind of really simple. But basically, both sides of the brain stop talking to each other. Man. So the emotion side of the brain doesn't talk to the to the word logic side of the brain, and so emotions are floating around up there. Thoughts are floating around up there. They're not connecting to each other so the closure can kind of happen. Right. And so uh, it, that's some fascinating stuff. So part of the reason that um, – that that probably that that it, that therapies like music and art and uh, and uh, actually the therapies that help with trauma are very creative kind of therapies. It isn't wow. sitting down talking to the person. No, uh, actually, it's music and art and reading and uh, and uh, it's uh, acting and and dancing and and some of those things that really help. And so part of the reason is because when you do bilateral movement or you're moving both sides of your body, it creates a um, it causes the brain to have to communicate back and forth. Right. So. Uh, but, you know, God is always a step ahead of us. So all sure. the way back in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter six, God was talking about when you talk to your children and you sit by the you sit down or you are walking in the way or right. I'm kind of slaughtering the passage no, because right. I remember the exact wording. But yeah. basically you're walking along and in doing so. What's happening is, is that you're communicating truth at a time when when both sides of the brain are are kind of at work so truth is not communicated in kind of the as effectively in kind of the western greek sense of sitting in a classroom talking about one subject but the bible is a very uh kind of eastern book and is yeah. communicated more holistically sure. um in uh in in kind of like more uh, the uh, you know more, more the monastery sort of way in the sense of you know the sweeping the floor uh, has a purpose and if you're talking to the to the young monk while he's sweeping the floor he's gaining more knowledge and and everything is more holistically together you don't tear apart parts right and so um, just some fascinating stuff so that idea that uh, uh, that you know walking or talking is when people kind of heal from trauma. Going out taking walks and stuff. I know that um, you using a little bit of bilateral movement. I my best prayer time is driving or walking. You know, right? And I think it is because you know I am kind of my brain is distracted, like you're talking about, by I'm having to focus on the road. So my subconscious mind is in a sense having to do more of the work, or there's less filters that are blocking it between. Sure. And so there's a lot of uh, now a lot of we. 
we know a lot of scientific reasons why that um, you know certain things work now, and it's really fascinating that whole trauma. Well, then that um, go back to the there's a a phrase that the that I understand the Jews used to use. May you ever be covered with the dust of your rabbi, and, and it means may you walk close enough that when your rabbi is walking ahead of you and you're following him, the dust that he kicks up falls onto you. And so Jesus, wow. when Jesus was teaching, he was teaching while they were fishing, you know, and he was teaching uh, on the in the farm fields, and they're walking right. around and they're walking and talking, and and there's an activity going on. And I never thought about that till you just said it. But it's almost always an action-oriented thing, and then yep. the teaching moment happens then. And sometimes I think we try to manufacture those teaching moments, and, and I don't know that they work as well because we we sort of – all of us probably subconsciously put our guard up and put the critical um, component of our brain or consciousness out at the forefront, and then we may lose some of the best material – because we're we're doing an inner debate or dialogue about it, and instead of absorbing some truth that's there. Now, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't think through what people say. I'm not saying we shouldn't evaluate it. But I'm saying that maybe we overdo that. You know, absolutely. Because we're more Western. I I, I read a really good book that uh, kind of titled for interpretation of, of the New Testament, and uh, this book was by a guy that uh, talked about the fact that uh, you know Jesus. Uh, Judaism and uh, and Israel is really an Eastern culture, not a Western culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And so even the Greek writing it in Greek, uh, they're still reporting on stuff that was happening in in a in a in an Eastern culture. And except for Paul's New Testament literature, uh, you know the that is kind of the the. Um, you know where some Western kind of thinking and, and culture kind Got of comes in. into play, and uh, but uh, the and and so maybe another thing is is part of the reason that that you know even as parents it's it's helpful is that we can be as engaged as we can be is because that passage you know the Bible's always right uh, so the passage said when your child asks you about why you do these things and I think it was over the Passover when your kid asks you why do you do these things. The most teachable moment with kids and with uh, why mentoring is like one of the most effective ways to train um, uh, folks is that uh, is that when the subject comes up, it's fresh on the mind and it's right there. So um, so when a kid is asking you why the Bible's true, you better stop right then and come up with some good answers immediately because later on they're not going to be asking. Right. And so later on, you go, okay, we're going to watch a video tonight as part of our devotions on why the Bible's true. And they're like, you know, looking at the carpet and they're thinking about their, you know, right. their um, uh, dressing up their cat on their, you know, phone, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because they got a uh, a cat dressing up app, yeah. you know, and they're going to put, <laughs> you know, a tutu on the, on the cat, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, who knows? Sure. You know, the boys are thinking about whatever, you know, yeah. boys' brain goes out into the universe. So they're thinking about how they can put the cat on blankets and throw it in the sky. Yeah, but, exactly. But they're yeah. not thinking about the, but they're certainly not thinking about the why the Bible's true at that moment. And, right. and and so, well, even I, – I, I don't know if they still did this, but I understand that even Harvard Medical School here 
this goes back about 10 years, but I was reading an article that they um, started to make better doctors. They actually started to not sit them in the classroom for the first two years. The first day they kind of showed up, they immediately went into the clinic and started doing simple stuff like uh, taking uh, intakes and asking questions and um, kind of going back the way that they used to teach law and medicine, which are two of the most you know intricate things you could have to learn. Uh, and they years ago wasn't you know only a hundred years ago, and it was still being done mostly in a mentoring sense, right? You know, um, kind of holistically, and so very powerful. And we're starting to learn that again. And I think we're heading back there a little bit. And yeah. COVID and the internet. And a lot of other cultural factors are kind of moving us back in that direction. Right. Um, you know that um, we're having to kind of learn online and uh, and, uh, uh, and you know that 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 kind of thing. So um, uh, I, I'm getting ready, and we'll have to talk about this some some more too, because I'm getting ready to do supervision of several staff members probably that are going to be training for substance abuse counseling. So. I'm I'm really interested in kind of I'm going to get a chance to apply some of that mentoring concept, you know, into that and how that you um, help people grow. But that's the Christian faith, and the problem is is that not I don't know we have a lot of meetings in the American church, but we don't have a lot of discipleship going on. Right. You know, jumping over to not you know kind of jump over the Christian work we. We and I think part of the reason for that is is we like you said we try to artificially create something. So there are certain people like you and a couple of friends I have that I click with. Right. So if I'm going to, I've had several if you call them Bible studies and and whatever this week, but they've been in the form of phone calls with close friends like you that are discussion and I grow from them because they're. It's really discipleship from a distance, but it's discipleship. So even what we're doing sure. today, you know, we're yeah. sharing ideas and trading them back and forth, and and uh, that's where discipleship happens the most powerfully. I mean, uh, I think that the church needs to kind of go back to that mentoring one-on-one, hooking up folks that really get along well with each other, you know, that have yeah. a good compatibility, you know, as long as it isn't violating any scriptural principles, but you know, that that idea of people that um, you know, that's where growth happens. Uh, if you watch over people, they kind of naturally do that. And if we could, you know, as I watched over my church when I pastored, yeah, you, you noticed this. Yeah. You kind of knew. I kind of sat back and I kind of knew what was going on when you have that gift going and yeah. God's using it and who's connecting with who and 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 you know it was just there. And I think if we did a better job of kind of just letting the natural connections and just helping God with those natural connections, the church would be a stronger place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, think about um, the phrase, you've heard the phrase, and it's true. The faith is more caught than taught. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean there's not a teaching or tautology that's a part of it, but it, it does mean that when I'm exposed to somebody that has a vibrant, dynamic faith, I'm more likely to catch it when I see it in up close in the everyday circumstances. So if we yeah. could foster there, – there's a book that my wife got from church, and it's called The Turquoise Table, and, and it's about this, this family that set a turquoise picnic table out in their front yard, and they started eating out there and kind of just living out in their front yard a lot, and then people – neighbors would kind of start dropping by. 
And then as they dropped by, they would share problems that they were having, and they, they were they were able to pray with the neighbors and talk to the neighbors about Jesus and use it as a witnessing tool. So it, it became – this turquoise table became fascinating. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering if we're not violating that concept by trying to do too structured a thing. Like ministry, when I talk to other believers about doing ministry, what they think I mean is get behind a pulpit and preach a lesson in front of 100 people. That's not what I mean. There, there's another book that I read called Five Minute Ministry, and his, his contention was that real ministry happens in five-minute segments throughout your entire life. You know, so that yep. somebody's got a flat tire, and you pull over, and you help them with that flat tire and tell them a witness about Jesus, you know, that, hey, man, I, uh, if, you, if you ever need to go to a good church, I got, we got one. Sure love to have you come. We, we learn about Jesus. It's transformed my life. And, and in that five minutes, you've helped the guy change his tire, but you may have also changed his life. Now, I kind of accidentally fell into this a little bit because when I had my church, I pastored for 16 years. At the time, and I would probably go back and do a lot of things differently, but I, um, uh, I, for some other reasons, I wasn't doing for so much for discipleship reasons. It was kind of counter. I was at the time I was kind of be, being counterculture to gotcha. some church things that were going on. That probably now I wouldn't even have kind of fought those windmills, and it, yeah. maybe I was hidden. But the in one, you know, and everybody could look back and say, well, this went well, this didn't, you know. Yeah. But one of the things that went well with what I did was, and I had people compliment other pastors compliment me, was that we met on Sunday morning for a couple hours. Um, and then there was fellowship. Uh, most of the people there had very – not all of them were homeschoolers, but a lot of them were. So they had – a lot of them were business owners. You know, So they had a lot of common kind of – most of them were raising younger kids, uh, You know, kids still in the home. Uh, and so there was a lot of commonality between them, so they kind of naturally kind of grew together. But we had a few – we tried a few Bible studies, but basically the main thing I focused on just because I was working full-time and raising a big family was kind of that two-hour – Sunday morning, you know, so yeah. that was it. I didn't, you know, we had other meetings and sometimes some folks would kind of come up with some other meetings, but I kind of really preached the idea that, you know, the family needed to do devotions and uh, they were kind of responsible for their own kids. And a lot of these guys and families were very kind of anti kind of structured church anyway, very anti, you know, uh, government right. being involved and, you know, deeply in their life. Um, so, uh, you know, so they they I, I couldn't have forced them into, you know, super uh, structured. Sunday structured Sunday schools anyway. Uh, but, you know, um, just the consistent teaching, I kind of followed a loose um, my how I did it was I followed kind of a loose W.A. Criswell uh, Calvary Chapel method. I I didn't preach straight through the Bible, but I generally preach through books. Right. Me too. Uh, that just helped me with, uh, you know, and I, I, if I went back again, I would be preaching through books. Uh, and yeah, I do too. it just simply because I got to. I, I I'm limited in time, so it's 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 easier for me to keep the study going and then i noticed that if you talk about today i talk about some stuff we did last week talk about today and talk about what we're going to talk about in the future and so they were always every week getting a little bit of past present and future past present and future right. you know um and uh, it worked out really well but long story short so what 
what I found was was that after I resigned the church and after the church disbanded, I had pastors compliment me on the maturity of the of, of the folks that came. Right. And uh, I I mean uh, you know so I could testify at least in my empirical uh, kind of very anecdotal I guess way that uh, that you know um, it did work to kind of let, but those people would sometimes get together they they became friends so they might invite each other over for a fellowship and and so they kind of did their own discipleship you, you know what I mean I mean right. we got together for special events from time to time but the discipleship that was happening with them with that one catalyst of that Sunday morning was kind of the main one it worked out really well I mean we didn't do any worse than you know Sunday schools that uh, unfortunately you know I mean even it has its issues because my wife and I were talking about that uh, the Sunday school which is probably one of the most um necessary thing for discipleship in the local churches um is sometimes has in especially this is true of country churches had the least amount of training for the people that were doing the discipleship right so to be a pastor you know you had to in almost all denominations you either have to take some time do some study intellectual you have to be checked out morally you know you know there's a certain process in being a pastor in uh you know and yeah. even still in most most denominations and even individual churches yeah. but the sunday school teacher could be somebody that I don't want to sound mean, but could no. be somebody that isn't even saved. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, it could be, uh, you know, somebody that kind of just shows up and, well, we got to throw you in there and fill in because we got to have the Sunday school. Well, in my opinion now, I would almost go, well, you'd almost be better off to not uh, the have everybody being, together. Absolutely. Yeah. The negative of having them sit under somebody that is not going to be a good discipler for them because they're either at the same spiritual level or they're weaker right it's kind of a waste of time i mean sure. uh just to fill um uh you know so i think it does work i think the church if it could you know kind of get into that discipleship and you know we would be uh, a lot stronger but and, uh, by the way we're going to be forced into it by the, the government's going to push us there I'm afraid. But, yeah 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 where it's going to be individually we we really almost need to move towards setting that up and uh, you know, almost now and have, uh, you know, discipleship online and meetings and phone calls. And, and there's two, you know. there's a, there's another concept too, that ties into that. Is you, you've, you've heard the term band of brothers used about individuals in the military. They, when they fight they're when they fight in a war, they're fighting for the guy that's in the foxhole next to them, even more than they're fighting for their country. Now I'm not saying they don't fight for the country because they do. That's very, very important to them. But there's a once they have that band of brothers kind of a mentality, they would sacrifice anything, give anything to protect, to care for the, that band of brothers that they had developed. And, and I mean brothers and sisters, you know. But but right, but right. Just, yeah. The, the, those other soldiers that they know and they care about. And I think as the church, if we could kind of get connected in the way that you're talking about, we would develop a band of brothers sort of fidelity. Right to the church, so that it's not we're not church hopping, we're not uh, you know we're not in it with the consumer mentality like what can I get out of it? Uh, we're not you know we're not talking bad about the church because instead you're this is these are your brothers and sisters these are these are people you would lay down your life for you know yes and i tell you that the most amount of growth I've ever had as a Christian was a couple of years ago where I met with about four or five other pretty mature men. We met for like one hour. We went through a book. 
because of different schedulings and other things, it couldn't continue. But um, but I'll tell you what, uh, discipleship-wise and growth-wise, that was the most um, growth voluntary. Um, you know, everybody wanted to be there, were there that week that they were wanted to be there. Uh, and uh, that was the most amount of growth. And I agree with a pastor I heard one time who said that, you know, big church meetings and preaching is great, but the reality is is that, uh, that the strength of the church is in the small group meetings. Absolutely. And the one-on-one. And, and he, he's absolutely right that, um, that if you could encourage small groups of people to kind of get together. And then, uh, as I was telling a pastor friend of mine, um, uh, you know, the church's insistence upon – Every church, and this is a different subject for us to talk about, but, you know, the church's insistence upon that some church has to be there for the next 2,000 years kind of thing. Well, there's a few churches out there that have been around for hundreds of years and kind of maintained kind of their Not faith many. and whatever. But yeah, most of the time it's a, it's a cell organization, not an org. It's an organism, not a not an organization. And right. the group needs to meet for this time, then needs to fold, and it may last for a couple of years or it may not. You know, I think we we so want to tell the Holy Spirit what to do that we, yeah. you know, under persecution it tends to happen just better. If for no other reason, because there's, you know, because you 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 only have a choice to go talk to your neighbor for 30 seconds before the police come and you know shoot you, right. kind of thing, you know, uh, you know, so you're going talking to your Christian brother, you talk for a few minutes, you pass him a little piece of scripture, and you you know you head on down the road, and so you didn't, so that that natural discipleship works best, it it works right there because you know individually. Um, and this is understand. I'm not talking in a kind of a racist sense, but but church is meant to be run kind of confederately, in that at the bottom rung, the individual Christian needs to be as strong in their personal relationship with God, then kind of with the family and kind of one on one, then smaller groups, then larger kind of groups. That it's meant to go from the bottom up. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying, you know, so not kind of from the top down. Um, kind of right. using a historical right. kind of government sense. But, you know, you know, uh, and a lot of churches, unfortunately, today more function in a federalist kind of a way, you know, authority structure kind of going down. But discipleship, authority structure can go down, but discipleship has to come up. You know, right, right. Um, I, I can sit in all the small groups in the world, but if I ain't growing, I'm not. You know, I'm never going to, and I, because I don't have a personal relationship, then, you know, I'm beat, you know. So, yeah. so it has to start by its necessity. There's no way around it. You know, it'll just die if it doesn't. You well, know, hey, so. I'm, I'm going to have to take off because I've got to get my staples removed out of my head. And I know you need to take off because you're heading down to see a brand new grandbaby. Can you tell us about That's the right. new, your new grandbaby? Yeah, born just last week, and um, and I'll tell you that uh, that uh, uh, it's amazing how that uh, from my wife is talking to my daughter, my oldest girl Hannah, that uh, you know how quickly those little kids kind of take over the home. Oh, buddy, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can be a week old and you can already run the place. Amen. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're, uh, uh, you know, and so we're, we're, my wife was listening to her, and and we were both talking about, you know, how how quickly, even if it's not like intentional, uh, and, uh, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe a little baby goes. I'm going to run this place here in a few right. weeks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it happens quick, you know. Amen. So they're uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm I'm old, Gene. I don't miss those days. Oh, those so. are hard, man. Those are hard. You stay awake all night long, and you got to be awake all day long. I always tell you. Young mothers, I go. If that baby sleeps, you need to sleep. Don't do housework. Yep. Sleep if that yep. baby sleeps because they, do. they yeah. will keep you up all night long and all day long. 
And and what yeah. I've always told my wife is, my kids don't understand is if you just let me get eight hours of sleep, I'll be a way better dad. You know, I'll Absolutely. Be, I'm a decent human being if I've got enough rest. But if you keep me sleep deprived, uh, all bets are off. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, then you're kind of responsible for what you get. Yeah, I, it's your fault. You kept me up all night and all day. You know, and if yeah, I'm cranky, uh, that's that's on you. You know. If I if I deliver you, you're supposed to be at football, and I deliver you to soccer, and I take you, you're 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 five, and I take you to the high school. You're responsible. I. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we better get going, brother. It's good to talk to you, and you have a safe yeah. trip down there, okay? You too, and uh, and uh, may the may may the staples come out quickly and painlessly. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hang in there. Bless you, brother man. You take care. Okay. Bye bye.